Jonathan Livingston Seagull by Richard Bach is the story of a seagull who's bored with his daily life and wants to fly higher and farther than the other birds, resulting in his expulsion from the flock and eventually in an enlightened state of being. He then returns to his flock to teach them the lessons he has learned. Though I have seen this book my entire life in school libraries, gift shops, church lobbies, and even hospital waiting rooms, I have never actually picked it up before. You're listening to The Best Book Ever, the podcast where we get to know interesting people by asking them about their favorite book. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and joining me today is Sonia Iris Lazada, a Chicago-born poet, actress, and podcaster who got me to read an inspirational classic and then talked to me about the artist's life, dreaming, reincarnation, and why Jonathan Livingston Siegel is the best book ever. Hi, Sonia. Welcome to the Best Book Ever podcast. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. You have the most fascinating bio. Will you tell my listeners a little bit about your really incredible life experience? Well, I've always been a poet since I was a child. And you know how kids are. Roses are red, violets are blue. But I didn't realize that it was the only medium that I had as a child to write whatever I wanted, because with poetry, you have permission. It's subjective. People are either going to love it or hate it. And so that's what I wrote since I was a kid, you know? So then I've always been into entertainment. I used to dance in front of my family and put on little skits. And so I am an actor. I've been on several movies and TV shows and um, I do print work. I just finished a print job two weeks ago. What does that mean, print work? Print work is when you have uh, the ads that they make for billboards or magazines or in store. You see the posters like they're celebrating. This was celebrating Memorial Day. So it's going to be like a memorial, you know, barbecues and stuff. Okay. So this is like modeling? Exactly. Modeling falls under print work. Okay. Uh, So I've been doing um, film TV and one of my books, we were writing and then a pandemic hit. So we got to, we need to get back into it. Um, My interests have changed. It's taken me forever to come out with my fourth book, which is called Inspire Me in Time of Need because of the pandemic. By the time I finish that book, we are not going to be in need. (laughs) So, (laughs) and I have two podcasts. I have one called Poetic Resurrection, which deals with perceptions and how our belief systems affect the way we react and act. And if you go to the website, you'll see that there's meditations, there's, you know, what is contentment, there's poets on there, there's writers of all kinds, there's um, what is called dramaturge, which is a person that reads your stories and tells you where you can fix it. I mean, it's, just, oh. it's something for everybody. We do not discuss religion or politics because this is all about helping you deal with life and your perceptions and how you could be more accepting of yourself. Because I think that's the problem. People are too hard on themselves. And that's what basically my poetry is about, too. So the book that is being adapted into a film, is that one of your poetry books? Yes. Tell me how that works. 
Okay, it's the poetry book. It's called Follow, Follow Akasha Dreaming Through Time. Okay. And what it is was most of my stories come from meditation and dreams. So I write, unless, you know, someone really pissed me off or I'm super happy and I want to write a poem about that because, you know, I write about my parents and how hard they had their lives, but how wonderful they really are. And that doesn't come obviously from a dream or anything that comes from, you know, my heart. But this book has, it's all in color. And each one is like um, a reincarnation. There was a period when I was writing this book that I woke up in the middle of the night every night. I'm like, oh, please, not again. But then I would get like a story. And it was like at three in the morning. And I'm like, okay, higher self, angels, God, whoever you are that's waking me up. It's like they would nudge me and say, hey, I got another idea. <laughs> so this one I really think is probably um, past lives because I saw what was happening within a time like, one of the easiest examples to give, and I, I use it quite often, is the first one. It's about I, my dream was about pottery. And I saw a guy making pottery. And I only saw was the hands and the wheel. And he was so sad. And then I saw the date, 300 BC. So I started researching what kind of pottery was around in 300 BC. I went to Europe, I go, no, that's not it. I went to uh, Mesoamerica, nah, that wasn't it. I hit the terracotta soldiers in China, and I'm like, that's it. And I started doing research, and it's very easy to see how they were depressed. Even though they were artisans and they were more respected, they worked very long hours in that heat of kilns, and then he was missing his family because that's what I felt. He, he was lonely. He missed his family. And so that's how that poem came about. And I did a lot of each one of those poems is a lot of historical research that went into it. So is it your understanding that these are your past lives that you have I, access to? You know what? I think so. It's, it's just weird because it was so emotional for me. Like I saw that guy, but I was emotional. I was upset. I was the one that was sad. There was one that I was seeing a gladiator walk out into uh, to fight. And in the dream, which was really weird, I kept hearing squish, 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 squish as he walked with his sandals. And I was seeing from his eye, like there was, you know, like I'm the one looking out. And I said, why the heck am I hearing squish, squish, squish? And a friend of mine, I looked up the, the Colosseum and I found the actual picture of what I was seeing, but in a Colosseum that was in Africa. So you visited that Colosseum in Africa? No, it was in my dream. And then I found the picture that was exactly what I saw. I, I can't. That's why I put it Akashic Dreaming Through Time, because as I was doing all this research, I go, 
so much of what I'm researching is what I saw. <laughs> what does what does Akashic mean? Akashic comes from um, it's comes from India originally, and the Akashic records is a part that they say is of knowledge. So, for instance, it has the knowledge of the past, present, and future, or possible future, because fate is not set in stone. So it, it has all these different things that run through, I guess, our planet or wherever it might be. Because even physicists and scientists say, well, how is everybody come up with the same invention at the same time? And it's because we've gathered the knowledge enough to be able to understand it. So as we have the technology to understand more things, more of the knowledge is released because now we could tap into it. So it's like a knowledge base. It's like the library, the Akashic records are the library for the past, present and future. Okay. Yeah. And everybody has their own. You said everybody has Akashic records, meaning everybody every can tap into it. It's like part of our soul. It's an attachment. Um, it's like being in the zone for an athlete. Okay. It just works, you know, and, and how I reach it is I just meditate. I have an intention. I ask if I have an answer and, you know, and then I just meditate on it and then thoughts come and some of them are you know, more direct it's usually symbol. So you have to figure out what that symbol means to you. And, um, but yeah, it's, I find the Akashic records fascinating. I wish I knew more, but as I was researching this, I realized that that's where I, I was in contact. I was in that knowledge sphere. And the reason I got in there in the middle of the night, cause you know, that's when you're asleep, your mind shuts up. And, and it does because it talks like crazy, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm reading a book called The Untethered Mind. I mean, Untethered Soul, Soul, amazing book. And he says, when your mind is talking too much, just pretend it's a roommate and see how much you could tolerate that mind constantly talking. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, I, that roommate would not be a roommate. <laughs> <laughs> I would kick that person out immediately. <laughs> exactly. But that's why we wouldn't tolerate that. But why are we letting it tolerate mm. run us? Mm -hmm. You know, the mind is not a bad thing. The mind is only there to protect us. But, you know, garbage in, garbage out. You know, it makes us fearful of the dumbest things. You know, mm -hmm. if I go outside and it's raining, I'm going to get sick. Who knows you're going to get sick? You might have a, a wonderful time. When we were kids, we used to play in the rain all the time and not get sick. So... It just depends on, again, back to perceptions. Were you always a poetry reader? I wrote, yes, I read poetry. And I used to go in Chicago when I was a teenager. There were certain places you would go to hear, uh, you hear drum circles, but okay. you know, Latin music. And there would be some poets doing it, almost like the 50s with the bongos, but they were using congas, you know, they were. And I would go listen to that. I was too afraid to read, you know, and my stuff really at that point, it was the poetry I wrote was more uh -huh. for therapy. It was something that I wrote and threw in a drawer and I never edited it and I didn't want anyone to see it. 
It was just how I got through things. And at what point did it develop into something that you wanted to share with others? Um, in 2017, so I waited a long time. I had foot surgery and everybody said, oh, this is a routine. It's not a big deal. I go, okay. Mm. Oh, it was a big deal. My body does not like getting cut into. I was Ugh. sick for like a month. And then after that, but you know how things, I really think, I really believe things happen for a reason. Because if I wasn't sick for that month, I wouldn't have thought of what is really important to me. And I had enough time to reflect because I was not happy at my job. And I just did it to pay the bills. So I, I really didn't like the job. The people were fine, but I didn't like the job. And so I started, I, I would write from the morning to 10 o'clock at night. I just had all these poems coming up and stories and and I'm a big research kind of person. If I see something, that vision, I research it to find out how mm-hmm. close I am to it. And so then that's when I came up with my first book. And it was, and it's called Inspire Me Raw because it's all raw emotion. And I was, I also thought of using a pen name because there's stuff in there that, you know, that, were, that I had felt shame throughout my life. And I said, you know what, if I don't publish it with my real name, I am never going to get over myself. So let me just get over myself. And I have my finger on because I, I sent it to Amazon and they and she's waiting for the manuscript. Right. So she says, hit publish. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, hit publish. I'm like, oh, my God. And everybody's going to know, like, everybody's yeah, going to yes, buy it, right? right. You know what? <laughs> so I hit, I finally hit publish. And she got on her end. She goes, it's set up nicely. And I was just like, oh, my God. And everybody's going to read my innermost thoughts. They're going to read things that happened to me that I didn't want to talk about. And, but I said, you can't move on until you move mm. on. What do you, what's your reading life like these days? Do you mainly read poetry? I, I read everything. I read poetry because mm-hmm. I want to know what's out there. And I want, you know, and I always read people that are good poets because I am a work in progress as, as well. So I'm always reading uh, poetry. I read a lot of research. It, I know this might sound weird, but I feel like I'm not going to be live long enough to know things. And the more I study, I mean, I, I, I love self-help. I love uh, reading about things in science that they're discovering, like physics. I like reading about esoteric, esoteric thoughts. And, you know, metaphysics fascinates me. So I'm always doing research. And sometimes that gives me ideas. And or if it helps me fix, I love sci-fi. I'm actually writing a story right now that's sci-fi. But books that I like to read, like Jonathan Livingston Siegel, that started me on my path of self-help. And how I started reading it was a teacher in high school said, gave it to us as a required reading. And I've had the book 
forever. <laughs> is this the same one that you had since high school? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, because I haven't bought it twice. You read this book in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, would you have called it self-help then in those days? No, I think it was just a beautiful story about awakening and acceptance. But that got me curious about, well, how do people accept themselves? Mm-hmm. How do you get awakened? How do you how do you do that? Because I didn't grow up with that. I grew up Catholic. do you think this book holds up for you now that you are you know you're an adult and you've done your own spiritual interrogation and you're an artist in your own right when you look at this book does it does it have when you look at it now or reread it does it have the same impact on you today as it did then it did because as I was rereading it two weeks ago I go wow this is really a beautiful book. It's so simple. It's simple reading. Anyone can understand it. And it's just, now I see more hints of what he's getting at. Where before Uh I thought it was a beautiful story. Now that I read it, since I have researched world religions and philosophies and all of that, I can see the philosophies in the book now. What what do you think they are? Did did you think this is a religious allegory or do you think it's something else? Oh, I don't think it's religious at all. I think it's about cuz it doesn't gear you in any kind of religion. Mm-hmm. It's more it gears you on acceptance and your own spiritual journey. It doesn't it, I think it just talks to each person. It seems to me to be a story that people adopt into their own faith tradition. Yes. That it can ex- exemplify the tenets of that belief. Yes, because there's a, there's elements of all of that in there. I, I think I could, fit, I could put almost any religion into this. I think you're right. It just depends on what your belief is. But I don't have a one set religion. I would consider myself spiritual, spiritual which, by the way, people, spiritual just means that <laughs> You believe in everything and you believe in your own soul and you believe in learning. It does not mean that you're (laughs) woo-woo. Religion is a very set, organized way of thinking. Spirituality is not. Putting your soul is not your physical body. Hmm. Your physical body is carrying your soul. It is not the same thing. So you cannot handle spirituality through physic being physical. And I know you're probably going to get a lot of people being pissed off about that, but (laughs) (laughs) you can't, it is. It's so individual. We've Mm -hmm. all picked. I mean, I believe in reincarnation Mm -hmm. and I've got really good proof on that one, which is really bizarre in reincarnation. It is said that you pick your parents, you pick the life you want to lead. You pick your name. When you come back, because these are the lessons that you learn, you came to learn. And so your body is carrying you through these lessons in your life. Is this a book that you, um, do you give it to other people, Jonathan Livingston Stiegel? Like, who do you recommend this to? I recommend it to almost anyone that wants to do some soul searching. Because you have to be open to it. And I go, it's a simple read. It's such a yeah. simple read. I sat down and 
it's like I looked at the pages like, oh, I thought this book was shorter than this. And I just sat down and read it in like, what, two hours or something. But I put the little stickers because I wanted to remember the, the points that made a big influence on me. And it started me on this journey. And who knew that a teacher in high school was going to give us required reading and then this would happen. Can you but, tell me another one of the passages that you have marked? Mm-hmm. Oh, here's one that says, reminds me of Eastern philosophy. The old seagull looked at him kindly. Yes, my soul. Instead of being enfeebled by age, the elder had been empowered by it. He could outfly any gull in the flock, and he had learned skills that the others were only gradually becoming to know. Gradually coming to know. That is very Eastern. Yes. Mm. And and there's a respect for the elders. Mm -hmm. Reverence. Yes. And I have to say that I'm older now and I have, I am more creative now than I have ever been in my life. So creativity doesn't come just with youth. It comes with a quiet mind Mm. because your creativity lies in your soul and your soul is super creative. There's a quote I have. And it's and it goes like this. The mind screams as the soul whispers. So you have to quiet that mind. It's the only way you are going to be in touch with who you are. Meditation works. I will give you a little heads up on the meditation. All that stuff you've been suppressing for a while is going to come up. <laughs> and then you deal with it. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. With me, it was like, I had no idea that was still bothering me. How could that still be bothering me? I was able to talk about it and everything. And I started researching. I go, why am I pissed off? I'm meditating. (laughs) And that's why. Because there are things you suppress that just need to come up. And instead of looking at it as something we should hide, look at it as a gift. It's telling you that your soul needs to shine. It's telling you that your soul wants to be in the mirror looking back at you. And it's, there's, there's one poem I wrote, and it's called No, K-N-O-W. And it's all about fear and how fear is just trying to tell you that I'm here and to learn. And I could read that if you want. Yeah, please do. Chasing anger and cornered it. A fearful, sad beast faces me as I approach and see terror in its eyes. I held their hand in anger's calm. I'm sorry I enslaved you for so long. Holding you in my rigid heart. You were banging on the walls trying to escape, but I blamed you. I'm sorry. I thought you were hurting me, and yet you were just trying to escape, trying to gear me in destiny's vision, to let me be, and I resisted, lacking knowledge of your truths, and now I know. Here you stand before me, afraid as a child 
who created you. Choking past without comfort, I hold your hand and liberate you. My sorrow is great as life's whispers confess. I love you and let you go, embracing you, embracing you tight, releasing with love. Thank you, fear. Wow. I love the line about created by the child that created you. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that one hit me. Yeah, because look at most of our fears. We learned them throughout our whole life. And a lot of them, we've been holding on to them since we were kids. Mm-hmm. It's a fear that we created and we held on to it. And yet people don't want to change. But what they're doing is holding on to their pain and their hurt because it's so comfortable to them. It's no longer comfortable to hold on to that. On my desk, I have that letter to fear that Elizabeth Gilbert wrote. And it's it. your poem reminded me a lot of that notion of talking to fear as a respected member of your psyche. Hers uh-huh. is, um, you're welcome, but you're not driving the car. You sit in the back. We will listen to you, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you don't get to steer. <laughs> and, and I that's love perfect. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's perfect because so... I sometimes feel because, you know, mind, body, spirit, I think like three different people in my body and my body's (laughs) telling me something, my spirit's telling me something else. And then my mind doesn't shut up. Yes. So I'm like, (laughs) so (laughs) I go to bed and I say, okay, mind, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you have given me today. It is time for you to rest. My soul needs to flourish right now. So, Sonia, will you tell me, what do you have on your nightstand right now? Uh, A friend of mine who I do another podcast with, he's another podcaster, he writes a lot of mysteries. And they're more like casual mysteries. Is that that what you call them? Where they're not bloody? They're not bloody and gory. So like a cozy mystery. Cozy mystery. That's what they're called. Okay. I'm reading one of his. It's called the pilot series. It's by Alex Greenwood. Okay. He's also a podcaster that him and I record a podcast called Chica and the Man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm old enough to remember that show that that the title's based on. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. And he came up with that because I was looking for all kinds of names. And I said, well, this is because poetic resurrection is so serious. I mean, it's not serious. There's light moments and we talk about poetry, but it's a heavier, it's, it's more like you think when you listen to that podcast, you think, and some of the podcast episodes are only five minutes, Mm -hmm. but it makes you think. Chica and the man, we don't even know what we're going to talk. We just say, Hey, let's talk about our successes today. And then we go on there and we just talk about them. That's fun. That's light. And I needed something lighter. Will you tell my listeners where they can find you online? Well, the easiest place to find me is at poeticresurrection.com. You can listen there. You have links to Facebook, Instagram, my podcast, and that would be the best place. Uh, If you want to actually contact me, I do reply to Instagram and Facebook. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your time with me and your poetry and for introducing me to this book, which I've gone 52 years of my life and missed entirely and I don't know how I managed that and 
It's been a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed being on your show. Bookworms, I would love to hear your thoughts about this book. Did you read it in school or have you reread it as an adult? I missed the whole phenomenon and I would love to know what you think of it. Let me know on Instagram at Best Book Ever Podcast. Remember, you can find links to all the books we discussed in the show notes or at my website, bestbookeverpodcast.com. And if you have a book you want to tell me about, click on the Be a Guest button on my website or Instagram bio so we can chat. Thank you for joining me today, and I will see you at the library.